Good morning, Edge Church family. We always want to make sure that if, if there's anybody here who maybe it's their first time or maybe you missed last week, we never want you to feel left out on, on, on where, where you are. So we just want to share with you that um, this week we're continuing in our series. It's called Named, He Shall Be Called. And it's our Christmas series and our focus is on helping, helping kind of center our hearts around the reality of who Jesus is and who he came to be for us. And so far in this series, we've talked about how Jesus uh, came to be our wonderful counselor. Uh, and then last week, Steve talked about how Jesus is the mighty God. And I was so encouraged by that message because I, I, I realized that there are so many times that when I pray, I don't recognize how vast and huge and powerful God is. And that, that if, I, if I even could, could grasp just in a tiny bit how big God is, my prayer life would change entirely. So I felt really challenged in that way. And today, Amanda is going to share with us um, about how Jesus came to be um, our everlasting Father. Uh, I don't know where you are in, in dealing with issues that you might have had with your father. Uh, but this can be kind of a touchy subject for some people. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. No matter how good or how poor your earthly father is or was, I just want you to know that uh, Jesus is the perfect model of what the perfect father looks like. So come with no shame, come with no guilt. Just come just hearing who Jesus is as Amanda shares something that's going to be simple and it's going to be profound. And you're going to be blessed. Amanda. Good morning. Hi. Let's see here. Get a little adjusted. Right. How's everyone doing? Good. It's exciting to be up here. See all your faces. I love that. It's such a joy um, and an honor to stand before you today. Um, I feel like the Lord's been teaching me so much about what it is for him to be our everlasting father. And uh, we could probably talk on this for like four weeks straight, but we're going to take one service and we're really going to hone in on really what I feel like he was sharing with me. Um, like Neil said, we're continuing in our Advent series. It's not up there, but it's entitled Named. And that comes from what I think is one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. It's um, Isaiah 9-6. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to get at it. If I can get this microphone just right. There we go. Okay. Oh, Father, thank you so much for being here today with us. Father, I pray that today each and every one of the hearts sitting in this room would be open to receive all that you have for them. And all that you desire to give them, Father. And God, I just thank you. I thank you for the opportunity. I pray that you would use me in a way that you've never used me before this morning. So that each heart here would leave transformed, changed in a new way than when they walked in the door. So we love you and we thank you for this time. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Um, I want to just start by kind of reminding you guys of what's been going on in the time of Isaiah when he wrote this chapter. Steve did a great job really giving us details about the history of it last week, so I'm just going to give a real brief summary if you weren't here last week. So 
When Isaiah wrote Isaiah 9, historically there was a serious major war going on. Um, the Assyrians were this very powerful group of people, and they were coming against the surrounding areas. And one of those areas was Israel. And so God speaks into this situation. Now, to get this picture, the Israelites were in a very, very, very dark, dark spot. They were about to basically either be killed or generations of Israelites were about to be taken into captivity. And so pretty tough spot they were in. And so God speaks through the prophet Isaiah and he gives us and he gives the Israelites in that time the hope of all hopes. And I'm going to read it for you. It's Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 is what we're going to read. For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From, the time, from that time on, and forever. The zeal of the Almighty Lord will accomplish this. Right? We can just kind of stop right there. Let's go have lunch. <laughs> it's awesome. But there's so much in this. Let's unpack it. I was thinking about this. Have you ever, like, gotten your mail or opened your Facebook account or Instagram and you see, like, a new birth announcement there, right? Like, I could be having the worst day of the worst days, and I'll open up something, and if it's a birth announcement, I'm just like, oh, like, a new baby. There's just something that makes you smile about it, right? And there's just something about it that this miracle of life, right, and we're announcing it to the world that this baby has been born. And this is what Isaiah's doing, right? He's announcing the birth of Jesus. However, he does it just a little bit different. And the Israelites were by far having a bad day, right? And I'm sure that this announcement gave them some hope. Now, typically, when we receive a birth announcement, we receive it after the baby's born, right? Well, this birth announcement came a little differently before the baby was born. More precisely, 700 years before the baby was born. And it's not that God couldn't fulfill this promise earlier. It's not. It re I really think he wanted to give the Israelites a hope of a future king. I really think he wanted to give them that hope because they were in such a dark time. And so I would consider this announcement of this baby 700 years before he was born, I would consider it a gift that God gave those people to sustain them through the darkest of dark times. Now typically, when we get these announcements, we give the baby one name, right? And yet, one name wasn't sufficient to describe Jesus. The birth announcement gives us four Four very specific names that tell us what the baby will do and who he will be. It would be like me creating a birth announcement for my son Malachi, and it would say, Malachi David, besides eating, sleeping, and pooping, you can know that he will be an amazing baseball player or a future owner of a company or a missionary. Isaiah announces the birth of Jesus and calls him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
oh man, I just love how from 700 years before the birth of Jesus, that these names infinitely set him apart from any other. You see, we have many great counselors here on earth, but only Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He is a supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. There are many gods that people worship, but only Jesus is the mighty God who is divinely strong and infinitely powerful. There are countless fathers and father figures on this earth, but only Jesus is the everlasting father. He cares for his people as a father cares for his children forever and ever. And there are many things that can bring temporary peace on this earth, but only Jesus is the prince of peace who brings deep well-being and true right relationships. And so this morning, I want to focus in on our everlasting Father. Man, I'm so thankful that Jesus is our everlasting Father. That, those words, they seem so simple, but they're so, so profound because there's so much meaning. It's like those words or when you ask a question and it's like, ah, that's a loaded question because you know there's not just one simple answer, right? Well, Everlasting Father, that's a loaded name. Loaded name. And the first thing it means is that we are adopted as his sons and daughters. And it also means that we here are all family. And yes, we are his sons and daughters, and we are adopted into his family, and we are all family here, but man, raise your hand if you're perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't raise my hand either. So what I'm getting at here is that we all need the everlasting father. We all need him. I mean, you don't have to look too far to see that the world has fallen. In Genesis 3, the fall changed our experience of family for the, in the world. What family doesn't have some sort of dysfunction in it, right? There are families that take each other to their court. There's families that just are cold to one another and don't even like to be around one another. None of this existed in creation. God said it was good, and it was all very good. Adam loved Eve. Eve loved Adam, and it was perfect. I've heard it said that when Adam and Eve bit the forbidden fruit, that the juice ran down our chins. This is one way of describing original sin, that we've been all born into the sin. We've all been born into this dysfunction. Man, do we need a father to come and redeem us, right? Sin came into the world and sin brought with it every type of evil and death. It brought disease, distracted, or disasters. Adam and Eve began to blame each other. Curse ran through the world. The family was broken basically before it hardly ever got started. Adam and Eve had a son named Cain, and he killed his brother Abel. So, very first family, dysfunction. Satan is actively working to steal, kill, and destroy the family. Violence, addiction, neglect are entangled in our world. I want to read to you from Ephesians 2, it's 1 through 5. 
And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, our everlasting Father, being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Man, do we need an everlasting Father, right? Why? This is why Jesus came. Jesus was born into the world, and he got into the craziness of this world. And he embraced suffering in this world, and it was all part of the plan. You see, as our everlasting father, there's a road to adoption. And that road to adoption is huge. And the road to us having an everlasting father and the road to us being a family led Jesus to the cross. God knew that there would be a cost to adopting us. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us before the foundation of the world. He had the plan to adopt us to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise and the glory of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I love that when Jesus walked on earth, I love that when he walked on earth, he taught a lot of times in parables, right? Sometimes we can get frustrated with parables because we're like, come on, Jesus, just give it to us in the black and white. They seem so gray, right? And so I just love that he, he's taught in parables. And I was just praying through this message, and the parable of the prodigal son just came back to me so many times. And I think this is such a beautiful picture of how we all need the everlasting Father. So I'm going to read this, this uh, parable. And then I have some thoughts that I'm just going to share about it afterwards. All right. So the parable that, of the prodigal son, I'm going to use Luke 15, 11 through 24. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Hmm. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was, as he was longing to feed, sorry, here we go. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. 
I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, son, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. Did I skip something? Okay, thank you. And put it on him and put the ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kiss and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and now is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So let's picture this together. This Jewish son was sitting alone with pigs. Not long before that, he was dressed in fine clothing. He drank the finest wines. He laughed with what he called his friends. He smiled, and women smiled back at him. Before he learned that friends could be bought and love could be rented, when the money was gone, so were they. When he needed them, they gave him nothing. Now he, he sat covered in mud. This Jewish son sat with the pigs. If you would have said that he would do this, he would have rather chosen death than sit with pigs as a Jewish son. But here he was, envious of what the unclean swine ate. He wondered, how much longer could I take this? He missed home. How shamefully he had treated his father. He asked for his inheritance before his father died, slapping him in pursuit of his pleasures. As he saw his father's house disappear upon the horizon, he had smiled. He thought he was heading into freedom, into joy, into pleasure, but now he lived to feed the pigs. In his desperation, he turned back, and he begins his journey home. And there it was, just as he left it. He rehearsed his lines in his mind to his father. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your servant. But as doubts began to cloud his mind, a figure appeared from the house. There was his father, just as he had left him. But something happened that he didn't expect. His father began to run to him. Had he ever seen his father run before? He always composed himself with such dignity, but there he was, an elderly Jewish man running to him. Is he coming to chase me away, he thought. The wayward son braces himself for a slap, but he receives an embrace. He expects banishment, but he is met with kisses. His mumbling apology and thoughts of unworthiness are swallowed up by the love of a father who will not call his servant or his starving son a servant. A ring is placed on his finger, the best robe placed on his back, sandals adorned his dirty feet, the fattened calf is slaughtered, and the celebration begins. The son who is dead is alive. Man, we all need an everlasting father. In some way, we can all identify with this prodigal son. And, oh man, to feel that embrace when a slap is deserved, 
or a kiss of acceptance with banishment would have been more appropriate. Not only do we need an everlasting father, but do you know that God actually loves being your everlasting father? God loves being your everlasting father. Did you know that the first time that God speaks in the New Testament as direct speech, he uses his father voice? This happens when Jesus was being baptized by John. And as he comes out of the water in Matthew 3.17, it says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Notice that God doesn't say, this is my chief executive, or he doesn't say, this is my colleague. No, he says, this is my son. I love my son, I love who he is, and I love what he's doing. I want to go to Galatians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. I'm going to stop there for a minute. So what's God, what God's saying here is he's, he's saying, I love my son. I love what he is doing. I am pleased with what he is doing because when he is done, I will have many sons and daughters in my forever family that we might receive the adoption of of sonship. So God had this plan and he loves this plan because he loves being our everlasting father. If you know the father, you you know that you have a story of how you came to know him. Some of us were blessed to know him at a very young age and others of us came to know him and experience him a bit later in life. But no matter what your story is, there is something so beautiful that happens on that day of salvation. If you could picture it with me, it's like you walk into a courtroom and there's God sitting up on the stand, right? And he's in the judge's seat and his robe is on and his gavel's in hand and you come in before him and you're shaking and you just open your hands before him to receive whatever he has for you. And he stands up and he slams the gavel down on the stand and he declares that you are free. Your sins are forgiven. You are righteous in his eyes. The weight of that sin is lifted off of your shoulders. With tears streaming down your face, you turn and you walk out of that courtroom. But God quickly stands up and he says, wait, wait. And you turn around and you see God of the universe set his gavel down, take off his robe, walk down, and stand directly in front of you. He looks you in the eyes and he says, I don't call you pure and blameless and then send you on your way. I don't show you grace and mercy and say, see you later. I don't just judge you to let you off the hook. I want to be your father. I want you to come into my family. I want to walk with you wherever you go. I want to give you my name. I want to give you a full inheritance. I want to make promises over you. Man, it's a great thing to be set free from our sins, right? But oh, what a greater thing to be loved by the Father. What a greater thing. 
this is the heart of our Father, church. It's his heart. God is our Father. God came to reveal the Father to us so that we would receive him as his sons and daughters. God loves being our Father. He loves being your Father. Being a Father isn't just something that comes with the territory of being God. He delights being available to each of his children. Man, God loves you so much. You know what he tells us? He tells us to pray without ceasing. I mean, that's really true love. How many moms and dads out there, if you had a dollar for every time your kid said, mom, 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 or dad, 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 you'd be a millionaire, right? <laughs> but God says, no, pray to me without ceasing. Talk to me continually and pray by saying our Father. And so we can say, Father, 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 constantly, all the time, without end, every single time. He loves hearing it. Reminding us every time, reminding us that we're not just subjects in his kingdom. We are his sons and his daughters. And he loves being our everlasting father. Uh, let's jump back to Galatians 4 and finish off those verses. Um, verse 6, I think is where I left off. Yes. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. I love that this is the priority of our God no sooner have we trusted in Jesus than he sends his spirit to us to tell us that we have a forever father. They can call me father and they can call me that any time of day, he says. So right after God sends his spirit with the purpose of telling us that we're his sons and daughters and now we have a father, he's saying, tell them to call me Abba, father. Now the word Abba is an Aramaic word and it simply means father, not very creative, but it has some depth to it. It's one of those loaded words. It was a common term that expressed affection, confidence, and trust. Abba signifies a close, intimate relationship of a father and his child. It signifies a childlike trust that a young child puts in his or her daddy. Do you trust him today? Abba Father, I love that name. His love began with our adoption, and his love continues to deepen over time. God continues to pour his love on us and will forever and ever. He will never stop pursuing us. You know, a part of this life, being a Christian, you know, a part of this life of growing up in God, this is something I think we miss so often, is that we miss what it is that God is trying to teach us on how to live in the goodness of our adoption. We are adopted, yet we live like we're orphans. When we learn to live in the goodness of our adoption, we can experience the security that we belong to him. That he loves us and he is for us and he will never forsake us. And our everlasting father takes it even a step further. 
In John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to there to prepare a place for you? And if, you go, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Man, not only is our Father here with us each and every day, he is also preparing a place for us for all eternity. That's amazing. So amazing. All right. Um, I'm going to invite the band back up, and I just have some, a few more thoughts for you today. Simple, but yet I hope profound for y'all. We have this saying in our house that we say with our kids on a daily basis. My husband came up with it, and it's just something that is stuck. It's simple, yet my prayer is that the truth of this statement will penetrate those little hearts at our house to the core. And this is what we say. I love you forever, always, no matter what. And as their mom, and I know Ben would say the same as their dad, our heart's desire is that by saying this truth and following up with actions that align with this truth, that my kids will never question the love that the everlasting Father has for them. My heart's desire is that each and every one of you would know without a shadow of a doubt that your everlasting Father loves you forever, always, no matter what. During the process of preparing for this morning, um, I kept coming back to the same prayer. Lots of times the Lord will give me like a song that I'll just listen to over and over and over again. And this time it was this prayer. So it was a little bit different. And the prayer was, Father, on this Sunday morning, December 8th, 2018, as our everlasting Father, what is the one thing you would like to speak to the hearts of your children? And I prayed that for weeks. I prayed it for weeks, and I got nothing. And I was sitting last week in this auditorium overlooking this beautiful family of ours, and I felt the Lord say, Amanda, tell them that I see them. And, I, and not just as a body, but I see them as individual sons and daughters. I felt him say, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I felt him say the enemy would so want my children to buy into the lies that they are invisible, falling through the cracks, neglected, abandoned, orphaned. Oh, sweet children, you are not this at all. You are seen and you are known by the everlasting Father. Maybe you are here today and for the first time you are realizing that you need an everlasting Father that you need the everlasting Father. Oh, he sees you, and he's inviting you into his family. Maybe you're here today, and you know that God set you free in the courtroom on that day of your salvation, but you never realized that he came off that stand to walk with you. 
He sees you and he desires to walk through this life with you. There are some here that really identify with the prodigal son. Oh, he sees you. As you turn back to him right now, feel his embrace. Accept his kiss. There are some here today who feel hopeless in the circumstances of life. Financial struggles, relationship issues, illnesses. He sees you. He has breakthrough for you. Like the hope of the birth of Jesus sustain the Israelites, let the hope of the everlasting Father coming again for you sustain you through these days. There are some of you right now that the everlasting Father is reminding you of a promise that he gave you long ago. A promise that has not come to completion yet and that you have suppressed in your heart. Oh, he sees you. Trust in his timing. He is so good. There are some of you who physically feel the weight of the injustices in this world. Oh, church, he sees you and he sees all those affected by these injustices. Cling to the promise that he gave in Isaiah 9, 7, where he says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He says he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He's saying, take it to the bank. It's done, people. Put your trust and your hope in that, those of you that feel so weighted by those injustices. There are some of you here that are feeling so burnt out, depressed, anxious from the demands of everyday life. Oh, he sees you. And he invites you to be with him. Allow him to show you what it looks like to walk daily in the goodness of your adoption. There are some of you here today in relationships that seem to have no light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, he sees you. He is our everlasting Father. He is our Redeemer, and He redeems relationships. <sighs> Father, I know that you have begun a beautiful work in the hearts of your children today. And I know and I trust that you will complete each of the works you began. Oh, Father, I pray that all would know deep down in the core of their being that you love them forever and always, no matter what. Father, you are so, so good to us. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this time. We love you and we trust you. We trust you to complete the works that you began today. In your name.